Welcome to the final episode in this introduction to the life that have evolved from land to Salish Sea. We've discussed the biodiversity and geodiversity of the Salish Sea, and that makes the San Juan Islands and Friday Harbor Laboratories one of the best places to study the biodiversity of marine mammals. And as a top-tier whale watching spot, it just wouldn't be right for me not to discuss the most famous marine mammal in the Salish Sea, killer whales. All right, killer whales. That's some pretty bad connotations, especially with the mean word killer in the name. And so looking at the scientific name, we see that it's Orsinus orca, which means demon from hell. Arguably it's worse. And this is due to the negative perceptions of these killer whales. So for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to stick with calling them killer whales, but our perception of killer whales has really changed over time. And that's why we can focus more on the conservation of these. So with killer whales, the different populations are called ecotypes instead of subspecies. And ecotypes just means a distinct community of killer whales occupying a particular habitat. In the Salish Sea, there are two primary ecotypes, transient or big killer whales and southern resident killer whales. Officially known as West Coast transients, but increasingly referred to as big killer whales, these are marine mammal eating orcas and they are spending more and more time in the Salish Sea. Their diet is mostly made up of harbor seals, stellar sea lions, Pacific white-sided dolphins, harbor porpoises, and dolls porpoises. Biggs killer whales are named after Dr. Michael Biggs, well, Big, who pioneered killer whale ID research and allow us to now look at the dorsal fins and saddlebacks and identify different individuals within that ecotype population. So in 2003, Biggs killer whales were listed as threatened under the Species at Risk Act. But thankfully, in recent years, their population has been growing with more and more sightings within the Salish Sea year-round. And one factor of this population rebound could be the return of harbor seal populations to stable, healthy levels since the Marine Mammal Protection Act of 1972. However, because Biggs killer whales are mammal eaters, that puts them on the top of the food chain. And because Biggs killer whales are on the top of the food chain, they can accumulate high levels of toxicants in their body, which can lead to impairments in their immune system, reproductive system, and development of fetuses. Genetic studies show us that killer whale ecotypes are genetically distinct from all other ecotypes of killer whales for at least a minimum of 750,000 years. And typically, big killer whales don't interbreed with resident killer whales. So looking at southern residents, Southern resident killer whales are the icon of the Salish Sea and the focus of much killer whale research. These fish-eating killer whales are divided into three pods, J, K, and L. Within each pod, families form into subpods centered around the older females, usually grandmothers or great-grandmothers. Each southern resident pod uses a distinctive dialect of calls to communicate and certain calls are shared between all three pods. The calls of Southern residents are very different from the calls used by any other community of killer whales. And these calls can travel 10 miles or more underwater. And what makes Southern resident killer whales unique is that they are the only killer whale ecotype 
that is an endangered species. In 2005, they were listed under the Endangered Species Act. And so the three major threats to southern residents are decreased prey availability, pollution and contaminants, and impact from vessel traffic and vessel noise pollution. As fish-eating killer whales, southern residents mainly prey on salmon, specifically Chinook salmon, with two populations of Chinook salmon listed as endangered and seven species of Chinook salmon listed as threatened under the same Endangered Species Act. Lots of contaminants run off into the Salish Sea, and that results in the bioaccumulation of harmful man-made substances within top-tier predators like killer whales. High contamination level lead to low pregnancy rates and high mortality rates. And while most of these contaminants, like the pesticide DDT, are banned, they are legacy contaminants, which means that their historical use has led to the continued prevalence within the ocean since these chemicals remain in the environment long after they were first introduced. And vessel collisions and noise pollution are another major threat to southern residents. And since killer whales use echolocation, the high ferry and recreational boating traffic restricts the range of echolocation used for hunting. Combine that with the decline in prey availability and the buildup of toxicants, the southern residents' endangered status makes a lot of sense. It might be all doom and gloom for now, but thankfully there are a lot of efforts to educate the public and have scientific research that could bring forth beneficial conservation policies. From the Whale Museum to the Center for Whale Research to conservation canines, there are a lot of people out there making a difference for these southern residents and whales in general. And what's important to point out is the major issues that southern residents face are common for other whales too. One way to help can be to use your voice and reach out to elected officials and ask them to oppose any harmful changes to the Endangered Species Act and Marine Mammal Protection Act. Take steps at home to reduce number of contaminants entering the water. This could be switching to natural household cleaning products and beauty products that are free of microplastics and other harmful chemicals. This could also look like using self-serve or tunnel car washes instead of driveways to keep soap out of storm drains and maybe even keep maintenance up to date to prevent oil leakages. Southern residents eat almost exclusively Chinook salmon. So when choosing your next meal, maybe opt for salmon other than Chinook or farmed. Maybe try pink or chum salmon that are more plentiful. Another way to help might be to reduce your plastic use by using reusable grocery bags, food storage bags, and mesh produce bags, and maybe even invest in a reusable water bottle. Various action groups compile documents for you to lend your support so you can get involved and support orca protection by signing letters and petitions. And one of the biggest industries in the Salish Sea, specifically San Juan Islands, is whale watching. And whale watching and boating is a great way to see killer whales and connect with the Sailor Sea. But make sure that companies and people are abiding by federally mandated laws and viewing guidelines to ensure killer whales aren't harmed, disturbed, or negatively affected by your presence. And this could be following federally regulated be whale-wise guidelines and giving marine mammals their space. Maybe you want a more hands-on approach. 
which can include picking up trash at beaches. You can also visit the whale museum and adopt an orca, all, for, all the while sharing the story of southern residents and why they're endangered with family and friends. There's a lot of ways to get involved, and it's great that as you learn to appreciate them, you also learn how different policies and action items are being pioneered and coming to fruition. So, with that, thank you so much for sticking around. And while I'm saddened to say that this is the last episode for this six episode series, I hope these podcast episodes have been beneficial in enhancing your perspective of marine mammals that evolved from land to sailor sea. This is Jonathan Kwong with From Land to Sailor Sea signing off. Thank you very much. Thank you.